good time of day from wherever you're listening throughout the fabric of existence. Welcome to the Essentially Unidentified podcast, where we dive into things till we reach the core and we shoot back out to see the whole picture. So last episode we talked about the history of the UFO phenomenon. Uh, We touched upon the enigma that is Bob Lazar. And that lines us up with today's podcast, which is about reverse engineering. So what is reverse engineering? Um, Essentially, it involves taking an object or a technology and trying to understand how that technology works. And more importantly, trying to recreate that function that object does with the materials you have available. So as opposed to taking, as, a, as, as opposed to engineering something from, from scratch, from taking an idea, a drawing, a design, and then building it, you're effectively looking at something that has already been developed and produced and refined and you are making a model of that in order to recreate it. Now, the the notion of reverse engineering a thing, especially a thing that is unknown to us, for me, it's a difficult pill to swallow. So it's one thing to be able to reverse engineer a product on Earth that is a product that has been made by people. Especially if it's a bit advanced, one or two years more advanced than what the rest of the things that we experience are. But To actually say that we're able to reverse engineer an object that is not of this Earth and that is potentially thousands or even millions of years more advanced than anything we have is a whole nother ballgame. So we've been reverse engineering things for a long time. Adversary country, technology, missiles, planes. But the thing is, there's a framework that we can build upon. Okay, everybody knows what bolts are, what screws are, fasteners, welding, the way an object is put together is understood among most people because we all interact with these objects and we've all been exposed to the way they work for the better half of a hundred years. So take for example a barbecue lighter. If you look at one you might look at it and you might think there might not be any screws attaching it but we understand 
that it's made out of plastic and the plastic can be manufactured in a way that it has clips on the inside and so when you push the outside of the lighter together it all clips together to make one sort of object it's not seamless because you can still see the seam but you know and you understand that if you pull it hard enough those clips will give way and it will open and you'll be able to look at the individual parts and pieces and especially if that lighter is easy enough to use you can understand how it works and try and replicate it but to do that with completely foreign material that was developed potentially in a completely separate evolutionary pathway from the beings to the tools they have to the manufacturing mechanisms they have to their biology to the way they think there is so much that goes into creating technology that it starts to become very difficult to look at things on the same level so as an example here on earth in order to manufacture something we have tools that go with it because we have a limited strength okay we can't apply too much torque to something so we create a wrench that can apply more torque to a bolt and remove it but these creatures they may be operating on a different biology to us maybe they're hundreds of times stronger than us maybe they can open and close things and and meld material with their hands in a way that we can't or why are we even stopping to think they could actually be using their minds to manipulate things. Maybe the biochemistry of their biology is fundamentally different. Maybe the way it interacts with technology is fundamentally different. So, for example, if we had a watch, a watchmaker knows that there are certain precision tools required to open a watch, to turn the back of it, to unscrew it to gain access to it. Someone who's never seen a watch before may be very confused on how to open it. And so they may resort to breaking it, for example. But what if the materials the watch is made of are so strong that breaking it for us is impossible? The same thing could be said for an extraterrestrial craft. The planet that it was created on, it may have a larger sun, it may have two suns, it may be a binary star system. It could have, the planet could have formed over a much longer time frame than our planet. Our planet formed over four and a half billion years. Maybe this planet formed over a longer period or a shorter period and maybe underwent some miraculous different way of cooling or forming and so elements on that planet may be very different to the elements that we have the strength of them the properties of them may be totally different so when those objects say a craft 
is to be discovered by us. The very notion that we'd even know what we're looking at may not exist. Bob Lazar goes in and, and claims that the craft looked like it was made out of a metallic material. But he didn't necessarily say it was metal, it was just that it felt like metal to him, it was cold to the touch, etc. He described that when he went in the craft there was an ominous feeling. First of all, everything was much smaller, designed for a smaller being, which is fair enough. If you want to take the lore that these greys are smaller than us and three to four foot tall, five. He describes the inside of the craft being all one consistency, one colour, one contour, as if it was injection moulded. Fine. But what if it was significantly different? To anything. I mean, he describes three, three or so seats. The notion of sitting, that's something that we do as bipedal organisms. If an organism evolved on another planet with many more limbs, maybe they don't need to sit. Or maybe they've engineered their body in a way that makes their bones and muscles relax in different ways that mean that sitting is not necessary. Now, he stated that he and his partner were only privy to the power and propulsion system on this craft, that the body and other things were left to the metallurgy department. But it, it begs the question, if something is so different to what we're used to. How do our minds even fathom what we're looking at? We are able to dismantle something because we know some idea of how it's put together. But if these craft are as advanced as they may seem, Maybe there's a whole nother level of nanotechnology, of molecular building, of integrating function with the very material, so that a cup, for example, for us, may just serve the purpose of a vessel. And it's shaped in a way that we can hold it and bring it up to our mouths and ingest a liquid. But what if they ingest things through their skin? What if they don't have orifices? What if they don't have a mouth? They don't need a cup. What if the cup itself was built on a molecular level? We have the notion of holding a cup up to a stream of water that's holding water and we pour it in. But what if they've engineered a way to extract water from the air directly through some kind of osmotic process? And what if they're the cup, what if the cup just fills up automatically? And you can ask the question, well, maybe their bodies do that, so they don't even need cups. They don't even... So many ways that we could be so different from these beings. 
that even the notion of technology would be foreign between us and them. They may, or and probably do, have a, a much greater understanding of physics, discovered things that we have not even seen yet. What about their lifespan? Maybe they live for hundreds of years at a time. And maybe they can afford to spend more time on things that we can't. Maybe they live for tens of milliseconds. And maybe they're intergenerational in a way that we don't understand. I often go back to the classic example of taking a modern-day motorcycle and plopping it down in front of a group of cavemen, Neanderthals maybe, leaving it there with the keys in it. Maybe after days, months, they may just by accident figure out how to start it. And maybe after months or years, they may figure out how to put it into gear. I mean, they're more rough than we are. They can afford to be bumped over and fall. But given enough time, maybe they might just be able to ride it and maybe become quite proficient in riding it. But once the fuel for that bike is used up, that's it. It becomes a relic. Because the very notion of even producing fuel is so far advanced from these people that they have no grasp of it. Or if something breaks on it, a handlebar, a puncture in the tire. Every component of this vehicle has an industry surrounding it. The same goes for a smartphone if it was left somewhere thousands of years ago. It may just resemble a beautiful rock to someone or to something. So the notion that technology can be so different from what we're used to that we don't even recognize it as technology. And that brings up another very interesting point. The synergy between technology and biology. You see, we as humans have developed technology separately to our biology. It's only very recently have we understood more about medicine and how to work with it. We've now just started developing prosthetics that can actually be somewhat seamless. But what if this technology began understanding biology much, much earlier and they were able to integrate their technology with their biology to a point that a craft may be a biological entity. It may operate entirely on its own, as if it was a being. It may look 
metallic to us, but maybe internally there's a biological system going on there, multiple systems. What if they're so far different from ours that we don't even recognize it as biology? Or if we do, how would we start to understand it? So, in his book, Bob Lazar talks about the Kraft's propulsion system and, and what him and his colleague tried to do to understand it. And, to be honest, it didn't go into too much technical detail. Um, that may have been because he didn't want the book to be overly technical or because he wasn't allowed for some reason to divulge this information or it could have been that the information just simply isn't accurate. But regardless, he does go in his book and in other documentation about, he goes in and to describe that the craft that he calls the sport model operates on an anti-gravity engine and it's actually a byproduct the anti-gravity is a byproduct of a nuclear or not nuclear it's well it is nuclear but it's a it's he describes it as an antimatter reactor so this element 115 that he claims is the fuel source or the energy source is run through a reactor and it essentially produces energy from the decay of this element or the breakdown of this element and as a byproduct gravity is given off and these this gravity wave is channeled through various waveguides and it goes through gravity amplifiers and gravity emitters to create the propulsion for the craft. He also claims that the energy itself is transmitted through the craft, not through wires, but by some other means, and that the craft violates thermodynamics in the sense that it operates with 100% efficiency. So there are aspects in there that in my opinion would require if if the craft were operating on such an advanced way it would require advanced technology to be able to interface with it or to read information from it, it wouldn't just be as simple as observing it in its already functioning state which to an extent is how Lazar describes the craft operating, he, or, or at least the, the reactor. He said that the reactor itself could be removed and put on a bench and without essentially plugging anything into it, they could get it to emit a gravitational field and you could physically approach it with your hands and be repelled by it. You could throw a ping pong ball at it and the ball would fly off. So interpret that really as you will. Um,
I think one thing that would make the reverse engineering process be more realistic or feasible is if we did have live beings here or we were in contact with them, alien beings, and we established some kind of communication between them, then there could be a back and forth dialogue. The understanding could be, you know, that's obviously given that they want to communicate with us. But in that case, it makes a little bit more sense that we could try and figure out this technology because there is someone explaining it to us, showing us how it works, being able to break things down in a certain way. But that's assuming that they communicate in a way that we can understand. Maybe it'd be like talking, us talking to a cat or a dog or a mouse. Maybe even if we could communicate very simply, concepts might be so complicated to exchange that it might just not make any sense. I think the movie Arrival spoke about this idea of communication and did a good job of it. So it's interesting to check that out. Now, I do want to mention, while we are on the topic of, of beings and um, communication, um, the 4chan whistleblower that came out a few months before David Grush did, um, this was all online. And he essentially said, look, I work for a government organization that is aware of these beings and vehicles and there is a base, there is some kind of a base under the ocean and these vehicles come in and out of this base. Um, they live there or they're docked there and they, they do reconnaissance, they fly in and out, get information. And it was kind of uh, an ask me anything kind of format. People would comment and then he would answer questions. And, you know, it could just be a, you know, most likely just a fanciful work of, of fiction. But it is interesting a few things that he said. Namely, that the craft were made to order. They were specifically designed and produced for certain tasks. So they would create them. The task might be to go and get some information. So the craft may only need to be small and carry certain things. And then the craft would be built around whatever it is the task is needing. And they would send them out. Then they would come back and they would destroy the craft. And if they needed another one, they would create it again. And they were doing this quite often. And they didn't, if the craft 
if the craft did crash for whatever reason, they wouldn't go and retrieve it. They would just say, well, that's a loss, and that's it. So, it, it did go in a, into a bit of details, but there were a lot of things that were questionable, and he said that he's dying of cancer, and so he's coming out and saying these things, and then it was, a, you know, back and forth for a little while, and then the last post, I think, was that he got a visit from someone, and essentially he can't come out anymore and talk about this stuff. But whether or not that's believable or not, the idea that potentially they are, they could be species native to here, or not, they could be from another planet, but they're residing here, or have been residing here for a while. That's another take on it, because then potentially the materials they use are from here. There isn't some exotic material, and maybe it's just technology that's, that's sufficiently advanced, and we can, and if they are dropping lots of craft here and there and they're breaking apart and then teams are rushed out to, to collect them maybe over long enough periods while also seeing them in operation and collecting debris we can slowly build up a model for how they work i still think it's it would be very difficult without first-hand interaction with things that are building it or know how it works, I think it would be very difficult to actually reverse engineer the technology, even if it's the simplest part, like a bolt that they use, or a kind of fastening mechanism that we don't have or understand. I mean, the very notion of nuts and bolts and screws were developed over a period of time. They evolved, and we're able to figure out a hole with a screw going in with an amount of torque can fasten two things together. Maybe they don't use anything like that. Maybe materials that they put together just come together as if they were welded with very strong strength between them. You know, it's, it's just a whole Pandora's box. The concept of electricity. I mean, I find it interesting that there's there's a lot of talk about high voltage discharge and electricity. We use electricity. Maybe they don't. Maybe electricity is just some fun concept for them that doesn't have any practical use, right? So it's always interesting to see when you when you talk about some of this reverse engineering and and recovery and things they speak about technology that they use that's similar to ours or that we may have stole from them. But it could just be completely separate and not in any way overlapping with our stuff. That would be more plausible, I would think. Lazar also talked about compartmentalization and how he was part of a very small team and that team 
wasn't able to interact with other teams like the metallurgy teams or anything else and i think that although may make sense for keeping things secretive it doesn't make sense for science and understanding you need as many people different teams interacting with each other to be able to share information and learn from what other people are doing so that compartmentalized mentality doesn't lend to discovery now i'm not trying to say that we're not able to revert we wouldn't be able to reverse engineer alien technology i mean maybe it is somewhat similar to our technology maybe there are no no new physics concepts to understand and maybe by looking at it for long enough and studying it and putting it away for a couple of years when we reach a roadblock and then bring back out and re-examining it maybe we can make some breakthroughs i'm not saying it's impossible i'm just saying that if it were totally separate technology and it evolved totally separately over potentially much longer time frames or shorter then when we look at it we may see a coin it may look like a coin but it may be an entire factory within that coin that we cannot access and we don't have the tools to examine it we don't have the machinery to break it down i think that may be more realistic and so it would stay as an artifact until we there is some rosetta stone that helps that helps decipher what it is we're looking at what it is we're interacting with or this technology may be given to us on purpose drip fed in small simple increments so that we can understand it maybe and we haven't even touched upon the idea that they are light beings or they're not made of matter in the way we know it or consciousness permeates through the universe and can travel interdimensionally intergalactically in a way that we've never seen or understand then there are no physical craft so there's there's a there's a lot of different ways to break this down but if they really were for lack of a better word nuts and bolts craft it may be a very difficult process to successfully reverse engineer them but it's it's food for thought so that was today's episode 
thanks for listening, and remember, the search for the truth is essential. See you next time, guys.